Yo, what's good? Welcome to Counter Currents, your host, Petey Steele. And I'm your co-host, Elena Torres. And our guest today is somebody that we've known for a while. I've known since I started comedy. And, you know, I feel sometimes there's it's always happens in comedy that there are people that are a little slept on, you know, that have always been funny, always been consistent. And I feel like don't <laughs> get the credit they deserve. Petey's pointing to himself for all our listeners. I'm not introducing Petey, but... Petey obviously feels that he's slept on. Uh, but this guy, I was felt has been a little bit slept on in DC comedy because he's consistently very funny uh, and always has been since I've known him. And also a really more than decent human being uh, and fun to hang out with. So please welcome the hilarious Nathan Love. Hi, folks. I want to thank everybody at Montreal Just for Laughs for having me. Uh, oh, yeah. that's, this, that's this podcast, right? That's this is the right one. <laughs> uh, it's on my calendar. Yep. So yep. Just for oh, gags. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> so, Nathan, how, how's uh, coming back to comedy been for you? It's been really good uh, for me. Um, of course you can't get on as many shows per week. Uh, so in that case, I'm lucky. Uh, I really appreciate what you said about, uh, me being slept on and, and that I do really well, but I am in a good enough position where, uh, I get on shows, which is not the case for a lot of people starting out because there's not a lot of, um, lower tier shows, I guess, or shows for beginners yeah. to get on right now. So I, I am luckily regarded well enough to get on shows yeah. uh, and I can do probably in between three to five a week. Um, and it's been really good in the, in the year of, um, of quarantine. I, I got on uh, anti-anxiety medication uh, so I'm feeling great. Uh, I am, uh, uh, you know, enjoying comedy, but it's not my all end all be all. I'm trying to live life outside of it as well, which is actually counterproductively sort of like making comedy more rewarding when I'm doing it. So, uh, it's been really great. How about you? You've made some changes, you know, uh, I have Prozac, a new mustache, a Hawaiian shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like it? This just came in today. You like yeah, that? I like, oh, I like it. I like the Hawaiian shirt to match the anti-anxiety medication. I uh, love the look. I'm just, ha- I have that, um, have you seen Office Space, the sort of Hawaiian song playing in his head? Yeah. When he gets hypnotized, it's just that now, he, all yeah. day, every day. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did, did you... Did you have a lot of anxiety before pandemic and pandemic made it worse and it was just like, okay now I got to figure this out? Or do you think pandemic like woke something up in you? No, I've, I've had anxiety basically my entire life and it actually got better during the pandemic because everything shut down and I didn't have as much stuff to juggle. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, but I knew I loved comedy and right. it was something that uh, made my life better made me happier so I knew at some point it was going to come back yeah. and I, I loved doing it, but doing it and everything else was making me very stressed out. So I got yeah. to a point where I said, you know, 
if it's coming back, when it comes back, something needs to change so I can have my life more in balance when I right. hit it again. Right. Yeah, comedy can really do, especially because it's such an individual sport and it kind of feels like a rat race mm. a lot of the time, which I think a lot of people don't realize because, you know, we're our, most of the time, our own agents, managers, bookers, promoters. So there's a lot more into it than just like being on stage. That's exactly correct. Right. And do you feel like comedically you've gotten better now because of all of this? Or do you feel like your, your approach to it in general is about, you know, your abilities are the same. You're just suffering less. No, I feel like I've gotten better. Right. I, I feel like um, something that's clicked big with me is if, uh, if anyone has seen me on, this is probably a lot of comedians watching this, uh, but and not non-comedians, but if you've seen me before the pandemic, I was very uh, fast, uh, spoke very fast, was kind of like very like alty on stage. And there's still a lot of that, but I'm doing stuff like speaking slower, maybe being a little less hectic. And I realize a lot of that is is honestly uh, before I would talk so fast and have no silence because if there was any silence in the set, my base assumption was that everyone hated me and the audience hated me and I needed to talk fast to get the jokes out because yeah. they would not like me. And now um, I can sit in the silence a little easier and not automatically assume that they hate my guts. Right. Uh, and so it's, it's actually been an improvement I've noticed. Right. Sure. Yeah, that I have the exact same issue in comedy and generally in life. Uh, I, I have had to a big part of comedy and podcasting has been, especially podcasting has been for me to slow the fuck down because I talk way fast. And mm. a lot of it comes from that same anxiety that you're talking about. where like, I am so afraid of silence. It is like awkward silences and conversation yeah. to me is like, 911 emergency. So I will fill space with nothing. All just to avoid silence. So I, I really identify with that comment. And I specifically now I'm working on a joke uh, that I've been putting in my sets a lot that causes a big moment of silence. And I Love let it. it happen and acknowledge it and try to use it in my jokes specifically to make to for the exercise for what we're talking mm. about. That's powerful. I like that. It's a yeah. power move. It's I'm I'm trying. It works. I've I've figured out how to get out of it. But I basically, by the way, all it is that I do is I just tell the audience halfway through my set where I'm like killing talking about a mom. I just tell them that I'm Hispanic and the room fucking goes quiet. It's <laughs> over. It's it. all I do. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love all those bits. I love that. You're talking about your very, your very white baby. That's very funny to me too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your Hispanic so, uh, white baby. Yep. yep. And so, well, let me uh, ask Elena because I don't know that I've seen that bit delivered live yet. So when you do that, and say I'm Hispanic, the whole audience gets silent because I just laughed the fuck out loud, and I think well, I do that shows, again live. Most shows, most shows, the room slow. <laughs> Because I do it, because I put it specifically in the set 
or like, cause you can't do it in the front. Cause in the front they're like more, but I do it specifically in the set where it's like all mom material. So it's like really white lady. And then yeah. I call them I'm Hispanic and nine times out of 10, the room will go totally quiet. If there are Latinos in the audience, they will cheer because they know that white Latinos exist. So sure. you get one or two, but the general feeling in the room is always extremely awkward. But and if I was the loudest guy <laughs> laughing at that as a honky, like, then you'd have to address me, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would, I would address it. <laughs> I would address it, but that's part of the exercise that I do, and I totally lose them. Like I, I, and that's all I say. I go, "What else?" I'm Hispanic, and I lose them, and then I just have to like dig my way out. But you get them back. You get them back on that joke. You also added the the. Uh, you can tell I'm Hispanic because how much uh, Selena songs I can sing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I do that. And I do that I bit. Do. Selena. It's very new, right? That's like a yeah. new, new addition to that. That's yeah. very good. Yeah, I've uh, that. It's a bit that I've been working. Sort of like I started it during, you know, back when we had to do shows where there was like a password on the door, and you know that pandemic style of shows. And I've sort of like been working and stretching. illegal, illegal yeah. shows. Yeah, the yeah. illegal, okay. <laughs> illegal shows. And You're so deep, deeply irresponsible. Yeah, illegal yeah, deeply shows. irresponsible. I have a kid. <laughs> I have a kid and I would go do comedy at these things. That level of shows where I started to work on this bit. So I've just been sort of like adding and adding and adding, but I do, but I do take a moment now. And I, and I've been trying to, when I tell them I'm Hispanic and it goes quiet to leave it quiet for a second before I start talking specifically for this exercise to be like, silence is okay. <laughs> if you control it, you know what I mean? That's also so on brand for Petey to be the one laughing hardest at yes, the un-PC. Yeah. Not, not even the joke, the un-PC setup. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's so on brand. Petey, Petey, that's never happened. I've never had anybody <laughs> laugh at me saying that before. So maybe maybe we should just, you'll laugh. I mean, you'll see me do it. Well, for me, you know, something potentially problematic to the point where it could cause a deafening of the audience to me is like a brilliant premise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love I, that too. Yeah. You know? I don't do that often, but I love it. I appreciate it. Yeah. I don't do it. other. <laughs> I don't, I don't do it often other than I just tell my story. And apparently that my, my, just my truth is so controversial. <laughs> well, Nathan, I'm impressed you know her bits like that. Do you watch all the other comics and like kind of commit to memory? Not like you try mnemonically, but maybe you absorb a lot more than other comics. Like you pay attention because I feel hmm. like a lot of times I'm there. I do my bit. And unless somebody I feel is doing like better or whatever, I don't. It becomes like a white noise. That's interesting. I I. I mean, maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit because I always think that I'm not that good at it. There's some comedians that have like, I feel like an encyclopedic memory for everyone's bits. Mm-hmm. They'll just be like, remember that bit you did three years ago or like yeah. that kind of shit. I have a okay memory, I guess. If I, if you tell me, if I'm in a room and I hear a joke 20 times, I'm going to remember it. Yeah, that's, that's my level of knowing. Right. <laughs> it, it, will eventually, it will eventually stick. Right. I, I I like to memorize like my favorite bits of people. Like I associate a lot of people with like, okay, that's the bit that I like the best. Like Nathan, I love your New York pizza joke. I think that joke is so funny. 
And like, that's, that's a joke that I, I don't, you, you don't do that that much. I don't, I, I forgot that joke. I'm going to bring that joke back. You know what? I love I'm going to bring joke. it back. I love that joke. And I feel like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I love that one. That's, and, and see, sometimes gotta, the comic doesn't even remember. And like, I really, like, I'll remember the one that I, that I like the best for everybody. I got to dig through the notebooks to even remember how to do that joke. I mean, I still believe it. In the fact yeah, that New, York, so New York pizza is so super fucking overhyped. Yeah, it's yeah. Shitty. It's super yeah. shitty. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, PB's joke that I love the most is definitely the um, math or physics major that jumps in front of the train and can't get the algorithm right and shouldn't yeah. drop out of school. That's, that's the funniest. I love yeah. that. I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. I actually walked a table last week. I was sharing about it on last episode yeah. for telling that joke <laughs> because somebody in the crowd had a relative that had committed suicide. So that set them off. And of the 10 years I've been telling that joke, that's the one time that's ever happened. And hopefully it's the only time it'll happen again. Yes. But because I told them, I was like, I'm not going to take it out of my act. I'm sorry. It's been killing yeah. for 10 years. You can't. <laughs> sorry for your loss, but you know. Yeah. There's going to be a suicide joke. If you go to, go to a comedy show of more than 10 comics, it's going to be, a, it's not your fault. Yeah. Right. right. It's, 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 gonna... it's actually like what you tell family members when someone's committed suicide. It's not your fault. Right. It's, yeah. like, right. it's not your fault. Right. The goodwill hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, just do that moment outside a bar show. It's not <laughs> your fault. <laughs> so now that Nathan, now that you have that you've had this like break and you're coming back, what are your goals for comedy now? Um I would like to uh start linking together material to start to start doing uh, 20, 30, 40 minute sets places. Uh, eventually I wanted to try out try and get more road gigs and, and comedy clubs around the area, like mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, Maryland, West Virginia, that type of stuff. And I feel for the first time, like I potentially have all of the tools to really, um, make, like airtight jokes. So right. uh, just getting, um, honestly, getting thir a 30 minutes of material that's airtight, that's, that's as good as it can be from my level of comedy. Of course, it's not gonna be as good as it can be, but as good as I possibly am now, as good as that can be. And, and cause there have been, coming out of quarantine, there have been a joke or two that I felt was approaching it. And so right. going back to all of my pre-pandemic material and now getting it up to where as good as I can possibly tell jokes at this stage in my life. Right. And Instagram, I guess. Get more Instagram followers. Fuck it. Follow me, please. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, get we'll get to that at the end. But that's... Yeah. that's <laughs> she can give that's you a tutorial off camera on that. She's been kicking ass in that not me i've been i've been, I've been crushing the instagram it's uh it's yeah. really it's really tedious i'll tell you it's af 
And uh, I haven't been crushing the Instagram that much the past couple of days because I have been too busy. And that's how it works with Instagram. That's why people hire people to do this. Uh, but anyway, airtight material. How long have you been doing comedy now? Five-ish years, coming up on five years. Oh, so same, same as me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh, yeah, five years. Yeah, five years. That's And you count the pandemic as a year, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you started in 2016, basically. I believe so. I think yeah. I, yeah, 2016, yeah. I think. So we've been doing comedy about the same, mm-hmm. the same time. So yeah, I feel like airtight material, it's basically, you mean like taking out the fluff, right? In joke, right? Yes. And, and, and really um, linking, getting tags on there and such. Uh, yeah. Really, really finding a killer line and then just, just, because being at the improv, I mean, some one of the things you see about the killers, the, the, just the absolute killers, headliners, is they find that one big pop line, just huge laugh, and then they just hit it and hit it and hit it and hit it. Yeah. And, and three, four, five tags off of the big pop line and just yeah. rolling. Just th- once they find a vein, it's just 45 seconds of straight laughter. Yeah. And it's something that, I can't do, but I can right. start, appro- start approaching. Right. That's a really, that's a really, really good point. Uh, and for the people that don't know, so Nathan used to work at DC Improv, right? Yes, I And did. Uh, I think that's was the smartest of moves for the reasons that you're talking about, which is just being able to watch people, you know, the, the top of the line. Yeah, there's a lot of great comedians that I can steal from now. Right, right. <laughs> kidding, kidding, joking. <laughs> Wait, were you working there before you started comedy? By a couple of months, yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and before that, were you just in the service industry elsewhere? Or did you do that subconsciously, consciously to maybe make a segue into doing comedy yourself? Yeah, no, I like I knew I wanted to do something in comedy and I was getting into my like middle 20s and I was like, it's got to happen now or never. And um, I moved to D.C. for a political internship. And then I figured out within about two weeks that that was very stupid, that I don't want to do that at all. Politics sucks shit. Uh, And then I within two weeks, I went to the improv and I think within, yeah, within two weeks of moving to DC, I just walked into the improv and I said, uh, I would like to work the sound booth. Um, I will, I just want to work the sound booth. Can I work the sound booth? And they said, yes. Uh, and I was off and going within like a couple weeks of moving to DC. And I just, I just wanted to be around comedy. I wanted to see it. And it took me a couple months to get like acclimated um, so I did comedy, stand-up comedy in college, like two or three times, and it I bombed hard every single time. Because I was like, I was like a, I was like a Berbiglia storyteller type thing, but the stories weren't funny, so right. it was just very painful. Right. Uh, so I didn't do it for a long time, and then I started watching headliners. I'm like, oh, that's how you actually tell jokes right. in stand-up. Um, I didn't watch stand-up much as a kid. I was not somebody who was watching Richard Pryor at 10 years old thinking like, this is what my dream. No, I just like yeah. being funny. And I did acting for a while, but 
But then I realized that it was stupid when I tried out for this play and I didn't get the part. And so I realized like, why do I have to get someone's permission to be funny? Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. Essentially. That's the whole journey. Yeah. I have a very similar journey to you where I moved to DC and I'd always thought about doing stand-up. I didn't work at the improv, but I'd always thought about doing stand-up and I started doing stand-up here. I, I did acting for a lot longer than one play. I did it for, you know, most of my yeah. life. We're not even comparable for the acting. Yeah, but in that, made but, real but money it, acting. Right. But, <laughs> but it took me a lot longer to realize what you realized after one play, which was, you know, one, I hate that with acting, you need someone's permission to do acting or you have to like pay for an acting class just to do it, just to do it. Yeah. So it's like, can call themselves an actor all the time, but it's like, how often are you actually doing it? Like even famous people don't do that much actual acting, you know, and that I found really annoying. And the other thing I found annoying in acting is that I was miscast my entire career which like I got part mm. that someone else decided that I'd be good for. And I'd be like, really, you want to hire me? I'm terrible for this. Terrible for this. Wait, how should you have been casted versus how were you casted? I had no business working in melodrama at all. I made an entire career in melodrama, which is the, you, and I think, I okay. think, uh, yeah. Like yeah. that kind of I look? Mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's how it goes, <laughs> right? Like I, like, I made a career in melodrama, and I think, I know, that I'm a very strong comedic actress. But outside of, com of comedic acting, I'm not great. Like, I'm not somebody who's going to, like, you know, get famous and, like, cross over and do some dramatic role and get nominated for an Oscar. I'm not a great dramatic actress. I'm just not. Yeah. And I never booked comedic roles. But I, oh, but I booked mm. everything I've ever booked has been like really dramatic. And the only reason is because I can yell. Like I can really yell when I need to yell, but I'm not that good. I use it in stand-up all the time. Like the more I do stand-up, I'm like, I'll just yell. And like <laughs> that works. You do but a very I, controlled yell when you decide to yell at stand-up. I, I know I've right. noticed that. It's very right. in control. Right. So I'm really yeah. good at yelling. So I got cast in in telenovelas and drama but I'm not good like I don't think I'm very convincing in that I just had no business doing it I'm much better at comedy just just like from a natural standpoint you know mm. I had you know I had a lot less practice going into stand-up but when I started stand-up I I actually got off my first mic and I was angry because I was like I should have been doing this the whole time the whole time I know how much work and I know how much work it's gonna be now and I started at 30 years old and I was like I know now I have to go through all that bullshit all over again to get anything done and I should have been just been doing this instead of doing all that other dramatic acting so that's what I mean by missing. yeah like the parts that you know because some casting director decides and I'm like you're wrong okay give me the job but you're wrong and then the stuff that I wasn't getting I was like you're casting that person you're also wrong yeah I, I don't know if this ever happened to you Elena, but uh, I also, w w when you're like um, rehearsing for the play or whatever, you or the script or whatever you're rehearsing for, uh, sometimes I would ad lib lines yeah. and they would get big laughs. Yeah. Um, I just, I would put in laugh lines, maybe when there weren't there, just adding a little punch or whatever. And yeah. everybody, the director would love it. They would laugh. They'd be, ha ha, it's so funny. 
But when it came down to actual the show, the director's like, uh, that, that was very funny, but just say the lines though. And I'm like, I made it funnier. I made the, I made the show better. There's more laughs now. Right. And they're like, you, you can't. It's a, it's right. a script that was written by Neil right. Simon and you're not <laughs> changing the fucking right. words of it. Right. Right. <laughs> now, yeah. what's the reason for that? Is it because like the audience is going to consist of some like cinephiles, or I don't know what you'd call no. it for a play thing, and they get mad to no. not have like the genuine article or what? I think it's just a lot of just. I mean, I, I we're two different things because I we were doing like historic plays that were written, so I don't know, but I would bet with Elena and the telenovelas, like it's probably the directors are like, you don't fuck with my shit not like, a- you, actors yeah. don't fuck with my you want to get fired you want to get fired ad lib like like yeah. you do not fuck with the script because nine times out of ten like actors love to add like like i feel like my character would say this it's totally offensive to the writers and you know when you're working in tv the writers are like right over there so imagine and you know we're all stand-ups like imagine you know, you write for a show and some actor is like, I think this would be funny. It's like, suck my dick, dude. Like, you know, you, you, you cannot, you cannot in professional yeah. like, ad lib at all. But what would happen to me is I would be doing something really dramatic and people would laugh because it would just come out funny. Cause I'd be doing the yell or the cry or whatever. And it just comes out funny, especially when you're doing telenovela acting, which is like, you have to just go all the way up here and I like because yeah. inside I'd be like this is hilarious like look I just you know I'd be like do it again make it serious oh no Mas emocion! that was like <laughs> the, the biggest note that I would get more emotion you know you just have to go to a do an 11 and you just it just comes out funny sometimes because it's so ridiculous that's great you know? And I'm not saying, I, also, I didn't want to say or that uh, insinuate that I was like funnier than Neil Simon or whatever. Because no. the whole point is, just like just like comedy, it's easier to write tags. It's right. easier just, it's easier to tag somebody. I took a Neil Simon line and just tagged it up and made it funnier because it's, you can just throw tags on lines and the director's like, ha, 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 don't do that again. Right. It's also, <laughs> a, sign, it's also a sign that you're a stand-up. Like if you're a performer, yeah. like really questioning the writing or adding to the writing or you know that's a very like stand-up sign because most actors don't really you know they'll like get into the writing but you don't see a lot of actors being like actually questioning like the timing of the writing like that's very that's a very you might you might be a stand-up if you're if you you're, might be a stand-up okay. yeah you might be a stand-up <laughs> You know, because I would, that would happen to me all the time. I would like look at the scripts and think about the scripts. And I, I didn't see my peers doing that as much. It was more just like, oh, I say this and my character is this way. And P- you know, I make sure there are no zits on my face, you know? PD, what's your, what's your stand-up journey? You know, it started at the Looking Glass Lounge about mm-hmm. 11 years ago. And... It crushed. It was just a dare. And then I did it for about three more weeks, kept crushing. And it was like, this will be a part of my life. Just not now. <laughs> and then one night I followed Seton Smith, ate a dick and then uh, stopped for a year and a half and started up really kind of officially like 
February 2012. And since then, it's been hell of a ride. I mean, every year it gets better. And then sometimes it feels like it's getting worse, too. And every year you debate about if this is really the right path and everything. Um, but then something great happens when you hang in there, you know. Um, every year it's never failed. It's weird. It's interesting because I feel like there's there's only like two types of comics in the progression, and it's the ones that start and then they suck really bad, and then you they get better, and then there are the guy the guys who crush immediately and crush 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 and inevitably always down to suck, and they have to work their way back into crushing. It's either this or it's this. And it's so funny that you're you're this guy. You strike me as this guy. That makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there haven't been too many times where I felt like I really sucked bad, but I just feel like there's so all I'm saying is that yeah, people that crush right away. And then right. as soon as soon as you go, oh, I'm good at this, I'm gonna make this a part of my life. Right. That's when like, it drops off because that sort of looseness is gone, and then you have to work your way back into the looseness. Yeah. Or, or you can suck immediately and then just have to get good. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes it's not even you that sucks. It's just the game or whatever's going on and you yeah. have to find different angles to attack it because the business thing, I mean, it's weird even just watching how much the internet's evolved everything in this last decade Ooh. where you have to be doing like a podcast. You have to have an Instagram, a Facebook, you know, you got to do clips. You got, and I'm not yeah. good at that kind of stuff. Um, Neither am I. But, you know, it's one of those things you just have to do it because it is a business at the end of the day. You know, you think, oh yeah, this is art. And some days it feels more like that when you get off a really great set and you're like, hell yeah, that was pure art, you know, and it was received as such. Mm. It was great. And then you hang on to that moment. And then next day you're back at it again. And it's fucking a trying to get more followers or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've made a big shift. Like if, if I, if I crush or do well or something and someone comes up to me and is like, great set, I'll just be like, you legally have to follow me on Instagram now. If you said that to me, like, <laughs> legally that you have to do it. If you're shaking my hand, it's like a blood oath that you now have to do this. <laughs> yeah. I, I just tell them that. I'm like, no, totally. And you know, the other <laughs> night, like last week I was featuring up at the draft house and this bunch of ladies came up and they're like, Petey, come over here, come talk to us and blah, blah, blah. And, couple of them were MILFs, one in particular, you know, and they were all like, we're going to follow you and all this and that. And they followed and all or I, or I thought they did, you know, so I followed them. Next day, their follows are gone and I'm following some fitness instructor and I'm like, fuck this. I got trolled or nutmegged or cucked or unfollow, whatever. Unfollow, unfollow, <laughs> keep following the MILF, unfollow, unfollow. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I uh, I get it. I designed I designed a whole joke around that just to get people to follow me on Instagram. I got I got a whole joke where I like say it in the joke and and it works. I get like two follows a show minimum just from like incorporate. I say it like real loud and I just designed a whole joke just for that because it's Beautiful. such a huge, it's such a huge part of the game. 
Yeah, yeah. We'll be, we'll be talking after this. I, I, I need tips. I've, uh, I've dedicated myself to making more videos and that has come out. Um, <laughs> it just happened I made that dedication right as I got bitten by a spider on the face. So oh, my shit. first like video, oh. Elena saw it. I was just like, hey, inside I'm like, I got to make videos on Instagram. And then my video is like, a spider bit me and I look like a monster. I'm just sort of like, hi, Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I like anyway. that. That was a good video though. I think that right? was great content. People can identify. We've all been there. That's me. Yeah. I can't make myself look cool. I got like I'm self-deprecating like to, to the max. Like well, that's, the, that's the brand. It has to be for me. Here's the thing though, and I was actually talking to another comedian about this earlier today. Like, if you're doing comedy, you're not cool. None of us are cool. Like there's being a cool I, I comedian, cool comedian just doesn't doesn't work. I a hundred percent totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. It's just not. And I feel like there's a lot of comics like trying to be cool. It's like, do you know where you are? This we're not none of us are cool. Name names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan Soder, who I think of as cool, just in his recent special came out and he was like, listen, you know, I come from this kind of childhood. He's like, I'm not up here because things worked out, you know. Nobody yeah. is. I mean, it's <laughs> it's I mean, it's a, it's a hack to say that, but it, it, I mean, it is true. It's like you, there's some sort of attention, wanting attention, wanting love. It, you know, it's okay. It's okay. We're all yeah. losers up here. I mean, look at listen, it may be hack, but like no comedian was the most popular kid in high school. No one. Like it just doesn't exist. Yeah, I was it's well, like I was the most popular kid in high school. <laughs> no, no, no. I was well liked, but as the funny guy, like That's I was I mean. well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like liked, generally liked by everyone, but not like friends with very few because I was like, oh, Nate, the funny guy. Yeah, I, 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 don't, like, I don't know anything about him, but he's funny. I guess that would be. I that was, was like the theater thing. kid, but I was never, yes. you know, like the theater, and I was, and and also, you know, I was like a party girl in high school, but I wasn't like. The one that all the dudes wanted. I was just like, oh, she's fun to drink with till four o'clock in the morning. But you know, it's <laughs> did you go to high school in Mexico? Yeah. Mexico City. Mm -hmm. Wow. I did. I did. Were you, yeah. were you, did you grow up in the the Roma? The what is it? That what movie? No, the Roma no, that's that's like a that's like a hipster. That's not that's not that's not that much of a family neighborhood. Um, I grew up uh I grew up a little bit past, I don't know how well you know Mexico City, but over by Polanco and in- Not at all. In, yeah, I, I grew up in a much more, obviously not suburban, I'm still in the middle of the city, but a much more sort of residential neighborhood. Roma's the very only, cool. The only thing I know about Mexico is if you live in Roma, life is in black and white. And if you live anywhere else in Mexico, life has like a yellow filter on it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's correct. Uh, mm -hmm. that's, yeah. yeah. I've seen the movies. Particularly if you grew up there in the seventies, I guess back then it got, like when they made the movie Roma was more residential. Now it's much more like young, oh. cool, hipstery. I grew so now up it's got, now, now it's, now it's got the yellow filter. Yellow now filter. it has a yellow filter if you okay. actually go down there. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, no, no. I grew up in the Mexico city, um, I don't know if you saw Man on Fire, but that was filmed. Yeah. That was filmed. Uh, it's Denzel, right? Yeah, like that house. It's about, her, it's right. about Elena. 
Yeah. <laughs> Elena, <laughs> said, Elena said I'm on fire. That was the yeah. thing. She played that girl that, you know. House that they filmed at was it a band two blocks from my house. I grew up, I grew up in that, that movie, not where the rave is, but like where the girl lives. That's where, that's where I grew up. Did you see Denzel? Was that during that time period? They filmed that while I was living there. Yeah, I heard about it, but I never saw it. Oh, okay. Yeah, now, yeah. The, the closest one that, that I ever came in contact with, uh, I went to my grandma's house. This is a real deep cut. My grandma's house and two, two three blocks away from her house, they were filming the uh, early 2000s Tom Hanks gangster film, Road to Perdition. Oh, it's a great movie. I've never seen it. It's yep. streaming on Netflix now. 2002, I think it was. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> BD, hell yeah. It, it, I knew it was early 2000s, and it, she lived in the South Chicago suburbs, which was like very, very like Al Capone territory. And so a lot of the architecture still looks that way still looks like 30s, 40s, 50s-ish. Um, so, so yeah, far south Chicago suburbs. And, uh, yeah, Road to Perdition. Check it out. Cool. Badass. Well, Nathan, where are you going to be uh, performing next? What do you got on the calendar? Oh, I'm retiring. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Um, what the fuck do I, I – nothing big, um, honestly. I mean, like um, – not that I know of. What's the big show? I'm constantly at like underground comedy stuff, uh, Capital Laughs, all the all the big boys. Uh, I'm there. Um, I don't have any particular particular big shows. Follow me on Instagram. I'll be putting out videos telling you where I'll be performing yeah. in the future. So do that and then you'll know not just on this podcast but uh, going forward yeah be responsible listeners yeah mm -hmm. it's yeah. uh it's uh it's your nate mate which i think is an adorable name but it, i think it somewhat makes it harder for people to follow but i'm gonna keep it because it's kind of nice goes uh, good with that cuddling. shirt okay yeah exactly exactly oh yeah yeah, it's got yeah little yeah. flowers on it so right nice. right well, we want to thank Nathan for doing the podcast. Uh, it's been great having you on. Petey, where can people find you? What do you have coming up? Keep in mind this Okay, so. Two weeks, two weeks, two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. So I will be at Todd Fleming's periodic table on August the 22nd out in Columbia, Maryland. That's the next kind of big-ish thing I've got. Um, aside from that, I don't have any big things, but there'll be tons of small things. Look for regular updates on the PD Steel Facebook page, Instagram, Steelborn DC. Um, yeah, we got. Oh, I, I have a couple things real quick. One, uh, PD, I'm going to hit you up about potentially getting a, a guest spot on that show. And two, I will also be in Columbia, Maryland in two weeks. Nice. Um, Where? With PD. Uh, Assuming that uh, this goes well. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't know what the fuck that show is, but you should go see it. <laughs> uh, great. I uh, follow me on Instagram, Elena Blondita. Uh, I have, I'm looking through and on August 28th, I have a show in Baltimore. Uh, so if you're in Baltimore, keep track of my Instagram. All I wrote in my calendar, calendar was Baltimore show at 730. 
So uh, if you're in Baltimore, come see me on the 28th. I'll put details on my Instagram and follow Countercurrents DC on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we are back with our, you know, we have our show every first Wednesday of the month. By the time this comes out, our August 4th show will have already happened. Um, and we have more headliners in the mix again for our episodes. So keep track of that. And uh, amazing local comics like Nathan. And yeah, that's it. Cool. See Thank you, guys you later. for having me. Peace out. Doing it. Bye.